This morning, we continue this new message series, Relevancy. And each week, we are walking through certain facets of our faith and asking the question, is this relevant? Does this still matter? And maybe even, what's in this for me? What do I possibly get out of, of this? And, and as I review, the, the number one reason that people have set aside their belief in God is because they don't think that he is relevant to their daily lives. This has affected everything from diligence in praying, attendance in church, giving, credit where credit is due, right? Who is it that, that does the wonderful things in our life that created all this stuff? Who gets us through? And most importantly, our willingness and desire to have a relationship with him. The second week, we're going to examine the relevancy of the Bible. And the explanation of, of what the Bible is is an expanded message and, and study in itself. And, and to that end, some scholars devote their entire life to its research. And, and I'm going to oversimplify its definition with, with full due respect, trust me, um, and consider it a collection of uh, history and allegory, personal accounts and letters whose collection and order were inspired by God to be compiled and included in this book that we believe are the sacred writings of Christianity. Again, please hear me when I, when I tell you that this generalized definition is, is to give us a common basis for, for this morning's message. is not the end-all, be-all discussion because what the Bible is is so deep and impactful and important that I could not even express it in words anyway. So I want to encourage you to study the, the Bible, its history, its, its content, its context, its composition further on your own or as a part of a, a study. Our own Sunday morning messages here have included many messages on this topic, and there's also an episode of the Faith Fundamental part of our podcast where we kind of dive into some specific questions that people have asked. And, and that Faith Fundamentals actually is the very first one of that. I did one titled, What Does It Mean That the Bible is Inspired? It's only 10 minutes long. You're welcome. Um, and it's a good place to start. But the Bible has much to say about itself, and, and by its most simple self-description, the Bible is a couple things. It's inspired, it's divine truth, it's authoritative, it's sufficient, it's powerful, it's Christ-centered. And I'm just going to take a moment on, on these. The Bible is inspired. The, the most common passage on the topic is found in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. It's very familiar. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God, us, God's children, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, right? It is our, our training manual. It is our owner's manual. I actually did a, a sermon message, it's probably been three or four years ago now, called an open book exam, right? Life feels like a test, but fortunately we have the books. And I, I remember I brought in this stack of owner's manuals that we have just down here, and I remember a part of it I laughed was, was the mattress topper. Remember we bought this mattress topper from Kohl's to give our bed a little more fluff. And we had an instruction manual for the message topper. And, and here in the stack of stuff that was everything from the lawnmower to the, to the mattress topper was everything we needed to know to own and operate the stuff that we had, right? And I, I promise we never read it. Nothing's highlighted and all that. But if something breaks, right, you pull out your owner's manual, especially like with a car. Life is tough, and we've got, we've got an owner's manual, right? We've got, we've got a reference manual, and we shouldn't just read it when something's broken, but to prepare for that so that nothing does break. 
Another description is found in 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. It says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, through, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God instructed the human authors to write exactly what he wanted them to write. No more, no less. The individuals weren't machines. They weren't dictation machines. They were people. And, and God didn't erase the personalities of the people like the Apostle Paul with all of his good and bad and, and all that or, or try to squelch their stories. In fact, he used their stories just like he does yours because they're thinking, human, feeling people, right? People just like you and me. God worked through their unique personalities and educations and backgrounds and experiences to enable, the inspir- through inspiration, the writing of this divine truth. And this divine truth of the Bible. You know, if you look at Scripture itself, we find numerous claims to, to be pervasive truthfulness. Every word described as flawless and eternal and unbreakable and boundless and perfection and completely reliable. This isn't my personal description. These are the words used in scripture to define itself. And Jesus affirmed it succinctly. In John 17, 17, he said, God's word is truth. So when God says something, not only is it truth, it's a promise. And every word that is written, that is spoken through from or on behalf of God is a God's promise to you. And when it's properly interpreted, the Bible will never mislead you. What it says, God says. And that makes it authoritative. God created the world and he has dominion over the universe. His loving authority is intended for our good and it's exercised through his word. In fact, God has, no, has so identified himself with scripture that to disbelieve or disobey it is to disbelieve or disobey him. In fact, it's the, the apostle James who writes in James 1.22, he said, don't merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. This was our theme for last year as we focused on being an intentional church, on taking the mission, the vision, and the, the beliefs of, of, of our ministry, the continuation of Jesus' ministry, and do something intentional and significant with it. Don't just hear the word. Don't just hear the instructions, the guidance. Go do what it says. And it can feel strange. Some parts are confusing as we, as we open up our Bible and we look at these stories. And, and nevertheless, the Bible is clear enough, as the psalmist says, the unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. Now, we aren't necessarily simple people, but the word itself gives us wisdom where wisdom may not have existed. And God even commands parents to teach the Bible to their children. Think about that, like our Bible studies. Now, now we sing the songs about, right, um, Climb down from the tree. Little man. Zacchaeus, thank you. Right? And we know this, but as adults, we study who Zacchaeus was and why that's significant. Right? We, we learn the Ten Commandments, but as adults, we can understand more why it's important that, that we should or should not do these things. It's been said, and I love this, and I'd forgotten this. I hadn't heard this in a while. The scripture is shallow enough for a child to wade in, but deep enough for an elephant to swim in. Shallow enough for a child to wade in and deep enough for an elephant to swim in. That is God's word. I think that's profoundly right. Sometimes scripture is difficult to understand because it's talking about complicated things. 
Often, however, it's, it's hard to grasp because we simply don't like what it says. As Mark Twain famously said, he said, it ain't, so Mark, and I'm quoting Mark Twain, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts I do understand. <laughs> it's not the parts that, the, that are unclear. It's, it's, it's the parts that we aren't receptive to that, that don't sit well, the parts that convict us. Right? I should be doing better when it comes to forgiveness. I should be doing better when it comes to patience. I should be doing better when it comes to talking to God and giving him credit. It ain't those parts of the Bible I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. The Bible's sufficient. Scripture contains all the words from God that we need in order to know him truly. Trust him fully. Obey him perfectly and enjoy him and this life abundantly. 2 Peter 1.3 promises that God has given us, and I'm quoting scripture, everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge available in the scriptures. And they aren't just rules. They're, they're protective boundaries to protect us from the distraction, the sin, the, the things of life that can knock us off course and take the space, quite frankly, of the things that he intended for us to enjoy. We pursue these things sometimes that, that feel okay and right because they, they fill a space, but they don't fill the exact shape of the things that God intended to be in our life, our heart, our time, our day, our life. The Apostle Paul shares in his second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, says, the Bible is so complete that through it we can thoroughly be equipped for every good work our open book exam, our, our training manual. In fact, the letters written to Timothy were written to encourage this young Christian on what he could and should do and how he is empowered and entrusted to do so. And while the Bible might not tell us everything we want to know, it does tell us everything that we need to know. It's gonna take some work on our part, some conversations with him, some prayer to say, reveal to me what you need me to know. Again, it doesn't answer everything we want to know, but it sure gives us a good basis for what we need to know. It contains all we need to know in order to be saved and to obey God in faith. And if you're like me, then you can say amen because I need to be saved. I need to know what I need to be doing better and how to do it. The Bible is powerful. Since the Bible's ultimate author is God, it is a book of unparalleled power. Its words are strong enough to melt hearts. Maybe it's done that for you. And change lives, maybe it's done that for you. It probably has. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive and active. And it goes on to describe it as, as sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. If you want to know what's right and good and noble and faithful and loving and caring, hold it up to the word of God and watch what that sword does to what thought, that action and the story is not ultimately about you and me. It's for us, certainly, but it's not ultimately about us. It's, it's Christ-centered. In Luke 24, the resurrected Savior appears to two followers on the road to Emmaus. And in Luke 24, 25 through 7, it recounts what happens. It says, Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them that what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And if we jumped ahead to verse 44, so while appearing to the remaining 11 disciples, Jesus says to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. 
Everything must be fulfilled what is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And then it says, Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. That's our prayer. Open my mind so I can understand. It wasn't just after his resurrection that Jesus spoke this way, however. During his earthly ministry, he, he examined the Bible experts, or explained to them, um, and, and they studied scripture diligently. And they like to think of the, the scriptures as giving eternal life, but Jesus helped them understand that these are the very scriptures that testify about who he is. I did not come to abolish them. I came to fulfill them. And he added, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Maybe you've heard the Bible described this way. The Old Testament is Jesus Christ concealed. The New Testament is Jesus Christ revealed. So I asked the, the same question we asked last week when we were talking about prayer. How, how often should we read the Bible? And my response is the same as last week. I want you to ask yourself, how often do you need to read it for you? The things that it offers, that it provides, how often do you need to be reminded of that? How much deeper does your relationship and understanding of God and Jesus need to be? That is for you to decide. But what came to my mind was the story of manna. And I'm going to go back to Exodus for this, Exodus 16. I'm going to read parts of it. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. So they've been in the wilderness a while, not, not as long as they were going to be, but they were let out of Egypt. And it says, In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the, the very men who, who got them, led them out of Egypt. God's guidance. It says, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around the pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out of the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Oh, how quickly we forget how bad things really were. Verse four says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you all know that it was the Lord when he gives you the meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Sure. So that evening, quail came and covered the camp. In the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp and the dew was gone. Thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is this? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer, which is about three pounds, for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who had gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just what they needed. And then he goes on to explain, don't take more than you need because it'll surely rot, and it did. 
and make sure that you get enough on, on the, the sixth day so that the Sabbath, you can honor the Sabbath. You'll have enough for what you need. So don't worry about that. And it goes on if you were to read the scripture and get this. But what I love is this. We talk about our daily bread. We talk about our daily bread. And, and this is literal bread. But God will give you just enough for what you need, right? And he did it in daily doses. If you take too much, more than you need, more than you can process or digest, literally in this case, right? It doesn't do you any good. God wants us regularly, I would say daily in his word. He rains it down. He provides it. Seek it out and make sure you're getting the daily dose of what he's giving, providing for you. And Jesus himself claimed the Bible is necessary to healthy food, to life, healthy life is food and nutrition, Right? Now, he did say, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We say in our prayer, give us this day our daily bread. It may not be literal, but rather the perfect amount needed for that day, for our spiritual needs, our health needs to sustain us. Friends, manna still falls from heaven every day for you. He still provides for you every day exactly what you need. I want to look back here as we start to wrap up at, at this week's scripture member that Mark read earlier in the service, Romans 15, 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Think about that verse and also the list of characteristics of the Bible, right? The authoritativeness, how it's sufficient for our needs, how it's Christ-centered, how it's inspired Think about that as you ask yourself this question. Is this relevant? Does it matter to me? Do I need this? The Bible itself claims its relevancy. It claims uh, to be directly from God. The Bible claims to be true in everything it says. But you need to also understand that it, it doesn't speak to everything, but in, in sometimes in, in larger pieces on generalities. And this is why it's virtually... Our vision. It is vitally important to understand and read it because the Bible has a lot to say about the practical sides of our life too, like money and sexuality, family, the role of government, taxes, war, peace, etc. Are all these included here? Does it still do for you what it was created and intended for you to do? Do you still need guidance on how to handle money or your family? or how to view the role and your active part in it? It's a very personal question. And as with each message in the series, if you saw the title and thought I was gonna give you the answer for you, I'm not, okay? You're gonna be disappointed. I, I can't tell you what matters to you. I can tell you what God says should matter to you, but I can't tell you what matters to you. What you decide is relevant in your life and in your day. But I can encourage you to think about a few things as you make your decision. The Bible is more than a book or even a symbol of your faith. It's a story. It's a love story. Actually, it's a story of a father who wants to restore and maintain an often strained and, and sometimes broken relationship with the children that he loves. That includes you, and that includes me. It's a reference material and an owner's manual for the life you've been given. It is too important to ignore and too complex to merely skim and claim understanding. The Bible itself is a bottomless treasure chest of, of beauty and wonder. It claims to be inspired, true, authoritative, clear, sufficient, 
powerful, Christ-centered, and precious. And may God help us to treat it that way. As we were reminded last week with prayer, the Bible is a tool to help us understand the character and promises and desires of God. By spending time in it, we spend time with him. When we spend time with him, we open ourselves to the blessings of wisdom and also peace that we simply can't find anywhere else. And last week I concluded with a quote from Dieter Uchtdorf, which we applied to prayer, but I think applies also to our reading with scripture. And he says this, he says, to strengthen our time relationship with God, we need some meaningful time alone with him. Now we talked last week that that means prayer. To increase our relationship and improve our relationship with God, we need to spend time with him in prayer. But I would say we also need to spend time with him in his word. Will you give that to him this week? Will you make that your prayer? Would you join me, please? Heavenly Father, as we seek to confirm your relevancy in our life through prayer, this week through your scripture, would you place upon our hearts that question and convict us to answer that for ourselves and to stick to that answer? Does your word still matter to me? If it does, what should I be doing with that? Heavenly Father, would you just make a change in our hearts this week? Would you fill us with boldness and enthusiasm and wisdom to seek you every day and in every way? Through prayer, through scripture as well. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.